You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hi everyone and welcome back to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I hope you're all enjoying the episodes we've had so far and that they're both inspiring and helping to action some change in your company culture. Today on the show, I'm speaking to Liz Elko. Liz is a brand designer, consultant, and creative director, and supports businesses in creating an engaging brand that not only helps with their internal culture, but their external culture. And we'll be talking about how you can align your culture vision with your brand. So let's get started. Hi, Liz, and welcome to Make It Thrive. Give us an introduction to yourself and the work you do. Hello. Um, I'm Liz Elko and I'm a brand designer um, and a consultant. Um, I tend to work with startups and all size businesses really um, going in and uh, refreshing their brands or creating new brands for them. Fantastic. Very fun work by the sounds of it. Yeah, it usually is. It can be challenging, uh, but yeah, generally yeah. it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Now, before we get into this deep conversation, especially when it comes around branding, um, because I suppose people still have kind of preconceptions about what it is. Um, can you kind of explain to our listeners like what a brand is? Because I think we can both agree it's not just a logo. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a logo. Um, but a lot of people do, you know, when I talk about brands, they're like, oh, I've had a logo done. And I'm like, oh, that's not your brand. And um, <laughs> a lot of people also kind of think that, yeah, just just by having a logo done, they've done a branding exercise. But a, a I guess a brand is what your customers feel about your organization or product or, or whatever you're you know, selling. Um, it's not really dictated by you, um, but you can obviously um, guide those feelings around your organization um, by doing certain exercises. So, um, you know, establishing your brand values early on, a good, strong brand tone of voice, um, also, how you look after customers is is part of your brand. And again, how you look after your people who work for you, your company culture, which I know we're going to come on to. Um, that's really an important part of your brand. And there is also the aesthetic side of it, but that's more kind of your website, how that works, whether that is easy for people to use, obviously what that looks like, um, the marketing materials that you use, the photography that you use. Um, and your packaging as well. And um, so I guess a logo obviously is part of your overall brand, but it's more of a just a mark that helps people identify um, who you are. Um, and it's not something that creates brand loyalty, isn't a logo. Brands with really, really recognizable logos, for instance, sort of, let's say, Nike or, you know, Virgin or one of the Coca-Cola, um, they tend to have put the legwork in um establishing you know a really great brand in the first place that then leads on to their kind of logo being as iconic as it ends up being 
Absolutely. I think it's so obvious as well when you can recognize an organization that's really put some effort into their branding, Mm. because you kind of get a sense of when you're interacting with them, you get a sense of almost, it's almost as if the the brand makes the personality of Mm. that business and makes the character. So when every touch point kind of adds to that, Mm. continues to influence that identity. Um, I mean, there's so many brands that I've started to become really loyal to. Um, I mean, one off the top of my head is, for example, uh, Monzo, Mm -hmm. the bank, like everything they do is quite fun and quirky. And they're really, um, they they appear to me really transparent about the way they work. And and I suppose that that reflects in, Mm. I suppose, my personal values. Sometimes we almost reflect, we sort of tend to adopt brands Mm. that perhaps reflect some of our personal values maybe of course (laughs) that's exactly what we do yeah that we align ourselves to brands that have the same values as us I too am a big Monzo fan and I love that you can easily find out the founder's story online and he's very transparent about how he started the business and stuff which was really I think with particularly in that sort of banking industry it's all shrouded in mystery especially the older banks and stuff whereas I think um this new wave of banks, banks like Starling and Monzo, they are very transparent with how they kind of, particularly Monzo, started and, um, you know, got to where they did. And I think they're very good at saying, we're going to do this and we're going to do that before they do anything. And we're going to try this out. Um, And I love that. That's, you know, that's, I like to, to, that's the kind of brand, brand values that I really like in a company. Yeah. Definitely. No, I completely agree. I mean, it's interesting when it comes to that brand identity. Um, I read a recent article on Harvard Business Review that said for organizations to build a good culture, they should decide on their desired brand identity. Um, And I think in some ways, I suppose it's a bit like the kind of chicken and egg, which comes first, the brand or the culture. Um, I know, obviously, from my experience, I would start with the values and the mission to help build the culture. But what are your thoughts? Is there kind of a, a process that you take? Um, well, I read that article as well. And I there were several things in it that I found problematic. Um, <laughs> I, it was an interesting article, but I do think that it was lumping organizations into brand types. And I think, that, yeah. you know, this kind of um, were a um, like sustainable brand or were a disruptive brand. And I think the best brands take into account all of those things. You know, or we're a caring yeah. brand and we look after our customers. Well, every brand should be looking after their customers. <laughs> if you're a disruptive brand, it doesn't mean that you don't treat your customers well. So that there were a lot of problematic yes. things within that for me um and it kind of made the whole process of branding seem quite formulaic which um I think that's definitely to create a personality a brand personality which is exactly what you should be creating for your organization that has to be done on an organization by organization basis and I totally agree with you I think you should always begin with your company culture and your values and whenever so when I work with startups um that's where we begin in a brand workshop is finding out their values, what kind of company they actually want to be, how they want to um, look after their employees. Um, So yeah, I think like definitely, I think that you can't, I mean, there are brands where there may have been um, an issue around how they're being perceived by their customers now. And I think 
once your brand's established like that, there is a time when you can then come in and say, this isn't working. Um, we're going to, you know, have a look at the culture and change that and stuff. But I would always say, look at the, if you can, if you're in a position, look at the values and the culture first of all, before you, um, you know, begin to develop a brand. I don't see how you can really develop a brand without knowing those first. Yes. No, I absolutely agree with you. Because I, when I, I think I was the same when I read it, I thought, oh, this kind of puts brands into boxes. Mm. Whereas I think actually it's such a holistic approach when you're mm. creating a brand. Um, and it's a, it's a bit like labels, isn't it, for people like, yeah. oh, well, you're this person and you're that person. It's like, well, no, we're actually really multifaceted people. We all have lots of different skills and attributes. Labels don't mm. say enough about us, actually. Yeah. Um, so why you them and it's the same with I think that approach with brands Mm. actually there's so much more when you look at a brand you can't just put it into a box of like oh well that's that Mm. that's that kind of branding and that's that kind of brand actually when you really delve deep into it there's so much more to an organization its culture and its branding than just a formula yeah definitely I think it's a bit like bringing up a a child I guess like um, (laughs) you start off with like a good base layer of you know values (laughs) and and behavior that's nice and kind to other people around you um and I also think you know if I I feel that there's a cynicism around we're going to be a company that looks after our employees because that's what we want our brand to look like you know that's part of our brand whereas I think it's like why wouldn't you look after the people who work for you or your customers like that just needs to be like from the get-go of course that's what we're going to be like um because those people are going to be your you know, brand ambassadors, they're going to be the people who go out and say, actually, it's a great place to work. And I think whenever I read an article about um, a company that's brilliant to work for, um, it's always like, oh, I'm like, well, I, I, you know, it piques my interest in them. Mm, absolutely definitely no it's interesting I think when it comes to to the branding and and that how we sort of embed so much of our values and sometimes so unconsciously as well I mean when I was sort of trying to create my branding for Liberty Mind it, there was so much I wanted to ensure that was incorporated into it and now I, I'm almost so sensitive about mm. how my brand is used and, and where it goes and, and what products I put it on um, and also because I really wanted it to be highly visual mm. as well I wanted it to sort of encompass certain feelings when people looked at it because we are a a highly visual species now I mean just look at the popularity of Instagram and things like that I mean in a really fascinating study by Social Media Examiner um, it found that when people hear information they're likely to remember only 10% Mm -hmm. of that information three days later However, if a relevant image is paired with that same information, people retained 65% mm. of the information three days later. So wow. it just shows the, the real impact that like even a visual assets of a brand Absolutely. portray. Yeah. I mean, why do you think it's important for organizations to create these visual assets that embody their company culture and their values? I think it's so important um, because it helps sort of communicate shorthand your company values um you know not everybody mm. wants to sit there and read reams of paper and you know reams <laughs> of writing they don't they just don't have time as you say we're used to instagram and and stuff now and it's like an instant 
visual hit of of your company culture and I think you know stock images oh they're just like the worst (laughs) they're like this company can't be bothered they can't be bothered to invest in a proper photography and they can't be bothered to like um you know articulate their brand culture at all all their values um I think like there's a lot of companies that do really well one that I I don't know if you are familiar with is a a new energy company called Bulb that I think launched a couple of years ago yeah they're another Monzo they're very transparent really interesting founder story um and Ragged Edge a brilliant agency in London did their branding and they just did the best job and the photography that they use is so different for the sector so if you go on their website there's imagery of the call the people in the call center like chatting and like smiling away and it's not fake call center you know stock photo it's their call center people looking kind of relaxed and enjoying themselves there's also like their there's images of their kind of um partner companies as well looking kind of you know if you want a boiler I think or something like that the sort of images of those people as well and then they also use um (laughs) illustration really really well as well um to sort of um explain visually the process of something and the other side of that is that there's a lot of people who struggle to process information for one reason or another and actually Mm. having a really strong relevant photograph or illustration or maybe like an icon with it is so helpful for them so it's making your brand accessible and inclusive inclusive as well which obviously is super important so that nobody ever feels left out (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's something perhaps organisations don't consider, um, you know, when we're trying to talk about inclusion and diversity is actually how how does our, our values and our mission come across to people in these ways? Because that's another sign of how inclusive mm. you are as an organisation. Because it's really small touch points like that that people don't even yeah. think about, um, especially when it comes to people with sort of um, any mm-hmm. kind of disability. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one thing that it's fascinating because when you when people are sort of looking to be employed by an organisation, those touch points make such a massive difference um, in the way that 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 company culture comes mm-hmm. across. Of like, oh, well, are they actually you know inclusive? or actually mm. aren't they and and that all comes across in the branding that yeah. you use um with, before the, before they've even sort of done a bit of research into whether you're actually absolutely a good employer. and I think having seeing yourself within the imagery used by a company you know if you have a disability um it's great to be able to see other people using the product or the service you have that as well it makes you go okay they're interested in me they care about me like it, it it's it's so important to make sure that a the language that you use and the way you set out that language and also the colors and everything that you use doesn't um make it difficult for people to use your site or or you know documentation or whatever but also yeah your imagery is so important to make sure that you're really inclusive but not ticking boxes because I think that's really obvious as well and it's very patronizing for people but real organic definitely um you know imagery and if you can't get that from your organizer if you walk around and it's just white men everywhere and you're then you need to be asking yourself questions anyway about the setup of your organization sorry I'm (laughs) not going to get political here but you know you know what I mean like there should be diversity within organizations it makes for a richer more creative culture absolutely no I totally agree and I I believe I've 
100% agree with you in regards to not using Mm. it as a tick box exercise. I think that's really important because, I, I mean, you see it so often when we have different um, weeks happening throughout the year of um, different cultural days and the amount of brands that almost try and jump on those days as like a PR stunt of like oh yeah well, well we do this really really well too and it's like well do you or have you just slapped mm. a rainbow on everything to Absolutely. look diverse because you know I, I know people who've said oh actually their culture's not great mm. um, you know so it's, it's it's so transparent that you're trying to do that for a PR stunt rather really than the true authenticity of your business. Yeah, and there's nothing like an ex-employee who will tell the truth about your organisation as well. So (laughs) look after them, (laughs) that's what I always think. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, where, where do you recommend people start when they're trying to align their culture and vision with their brand? I'd have, there's two different approaches. So for startups, when I work with startups, I advise them to see a professional like yourself in the beginning to really get those your culture and your values are the number one thing you should be looking at you know once you've had your business idea obviously um (laughs) you need that first and you need to test it and make sure that it's actually a viable business proposition but once you've done that when you're in the beginning of creating a company you know I would always suggest bringing in um somebody who can help you um, identify those values and maybe challenge um, some of the ideas that you have already. And then I would always um, do a full brand. So I start off with a brand workshop and um, that explores your personality that takes on board all of that work that you've done, all the values um, that you've um, kind of identified and you start bringing that into all the other aspects of your business and that then starts creating your brand personality, your brand tone of voice, um, your brand aesthetics. Um, and that's, if you're a startup, that's kind of the ideal way I would go about things. I was at something not long ago and um, a guy was like, oh, I'm starting a new social network. I was like, okay, good luck. And um, he was like, I've got my logo, <laughs> so I'm going to get my developers in now to start building it. And I was like, um you really there's a little bit of work you need to do before that and so many people want to get a website built or a app built or they just want an app and it's like that's way 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 down the line like you can't until you've established your kind of how you want people to view how you want your customers to feel how you want your employees to feel you can't start then creating a website that embodies those things for them that needs to be way down the line um for companies that are already well established that maybe have had a little issue around you know maybe not um they've got a reputation for not looking after their um their customers or maybe their employees I always suggest a brand audit to begin with um that looks at your so that takes research around um, what your employee, how your employees feel about the company, how your customers feel about the company. Um, it kind of, t- they, I conduct interviews, um, I look at your competitors and what they're doing um, and look at your brand values, whether they actually align with the reality of your brand, you know, because you might say my brand values are so-and-so, yeah, so-and-so, so-and-so, definitely. but in reality, that's not the case at all. And um, then... Um, and I think that's really, it can be 
extremely challenging for company owners to go through that process because a lot of time the stakeholders experience is entirely different to someone like on the ground basically um and so that can be really really challenging but also I always suggest if possible having a meeting with people from all layers of the company as well um you know an open kind of let's be honest about this meeting and then again once you've established the the problematic areas within the company bringing in an expert and um addressing those um and then you know from that point forward maybe rebranding um to embody your new values and ideas so yeah that's it sounds very complex but in effect in reality it's not it's not difficult it's challenging but then I think if if your company is not working you need to be challenged yes absolutely and it's good to have that instigator and that facilitator to help nurture that challenge into something Mm, that's going to be positive none of it needs to be negative none of it at all it's all positive it shows to your employees that you're wanting you're listening to them and you want things to change and it shows your customers that you've identified that you're not maybe doing everything right and that you're willing to change that and that they're important to you there's a, it's only positive absolutely I know we've spoken before actually about how we have sort of a similar approach in the fact we believe that when it comes to both brand and culture there should be a good mix of people in these sessions so there's diversity of input and feedback you know from the the founder to sometimes even you know um, people working on the ground it's good to have that diverse input I mean how do you think this makes a difference to the brand being Um, created I think it makes a huge difference and I always um suggest when I do a brand workshop um bringing in people from every layer of the company because it is very good at challenging stakeholders because a stakeholder often will say this is how our customers see the company this is what our company's like and that just isn't the that's what they think um and bringing in someone who maybe on a daily date basis deals with customers and has to deal with their complaints and stuff that maybe the stakeholders don't even know about, you know, they probably don't even make it to them until they're really bad. Just bringing in um, people at all those different levels, um, even, you know, even so far as saying people who maybe come and clean, work for you and clean your office, because, you know, if they're being treated badly, then that's an issue within your company culture as well. So, I would always say like bringing people of all levels within the company, they will be honest about what the company is like, what they're, what, how the customers are seeing them or the customers are, you know, dealing with them and stuff. Um, and I often feel resistance to begin with from um, sort of a founder or um, a director when I first suggest, suggest this, but so many times been in workshops and, halfway through they're like wow I'm getting light bulb moments you know and it brings this kind of real teamwork to it where they're not just the people running it and they're not just the people on the ground they're like we're in this together and it really builds a kind of um yeah real feeling of teamwork then it just makes such a difference um yeah I'm I'm all for that yeah I totally agree. It, it creates such a, mm. a good vibe as well within the the organisation yeah. because everybody feels heard as well. Um, and like you say, everybody has a different experience of that organisation and bringing in those different experiences can really help to identify some of the gaps in the culture or, or where things are, mm, are kind of that- a bit misaligned as well. So I think it's so important. 
I mean, one thing I'm a big advocate of um, in regards to, to helping engage people, especially when sort of onboarding and orientating them into the culture, is the employee handbook. Because I feel like creating this mm. to be fun and visual can help people better understand the messages mm. you're trying to get across to your team, especially with new recruits, because there's nothing worse than starting a company and just being sat at a desk and left. And it's like, okay, uh, what's expected of me? Mm. You know, where is, is even the toy? Mm. Um, you know there's, there's some real poor onboarding um, experiences I've heard of and but I mean what are some of the best and worst examples you've seen of these handbooks because I think well, these I've never come across a, a good part. example of a handbook <laughs> so we'll just part that one there um, <laughs> it is um, nearly so I'd say I've been self-employed for eight years now so um the company that I worked for prior to that, I don't even know if I saw a handbook. Um, yeah, I can't. I I oh, can't really God. remember seeing one. Generally, when I've seen them for companies that I've worked for, it might be um, a huge, like <laughs> you know, Bible <laughs> size oh, like handbook that's just sort of wow. threatening. <laughs> in the, if you do this, you're probably going to get the sack. Um, or if there's been a dispute I've been handed it and like well this is how we handle your complaints like it's all in the customer handbook so I haven't really um, experienced a good one ever generally they're in the old days when I was younger um, they were often mired in kind of legal terms I think to protect you ever being able to sue them in any way Um, and yeah and then more recently just sort of handed them if you know, there's a problem, but I gem- I haven't really ever, or I'll find it in the bottom of my desk after I've been there for four months and I'm like, well, maybe look at that. <laughs> so, and it's, it's been very outdated as well, I think. <laughs> so I haven't really had a good experience of them, but I, ju- oh God, yes, they would make definitely. such a difference just from experiences I've had in the past. Like it would, to have a good company handbook like that or employee handbook would make such a difference. And like for when I'm doing brands, we, once we finished the brand um creation we have like brand guidelines and that um that basically um gives everybody who works within the company um a key to their kind of tone of voice the imagery that you want to use you know it's a guide for if they're creating any assets whenever even when they're talking to customers what it's like and that's what a company handbook is you know but within the company I I think like this is our company this is you know how we will look after you this is yeah I just can't see why they wouldn't create a good one (laughs) I know I think I agree there's so many Mm. that I've seen that are just literally reams of black and white paper um and like you say that they're so often this this over jargoned legal con legal content that just scares people as soon as they've arrived. So, so, you, so your first impression on that day yeah. is, I'm going to scare this employee to make sure they don't do anything wrong, which is just awful because it, then it puts the assumption immediately yeah. that people are there to do wrong, which is the most um, baffling, um, you know, assumption in such a negative assumption of the people you're employing. Like, mm. surely we should see good rather than oh I've yeah. got to employ someone I'm we going trust to make you really and we you know, know you're going to um, do your best I mean, work and stuff definitely so I think it's really important when it comes to mm. those handbooks is actually branding them and creating almost like a storybook 
um, because I've seen a lot of a, a few brands do it do it well and see a, a few organizations do it dreadfully but the ones yeah. that worked the best are almost like a, a, a mini book like but like a storybook it's really um, well illustrated it's um, got the brand's personality in it so in some instances mm. it can be quite funny or tongue-in-cheek um, you know and it can really help people to feel I love that like they know what's expected mm. of them and to also understand um where where the stories come from because a lot of the time um you know it's it's sometimes nice to be given before you're even going to start there because actually if you perhaps have a little read of it you could get excited about oh I'm going to go and work Mm. for this brand and I'm really excited and it can help to really nurture Mm. that that those initial feelings of positivity before that person's even stepped through the door I love that idea and And also it gives you confidence on the first day (laughs) if you know where you need to go and you know where to park and all that kind of thing because oh amount of times you turn up on the first day and you're like where do I park and you park in the director's (laughs) space and they're like you can't park there and um I mean I remember the first day at my last job I I, my boss walked in and went who parked that bloody black golf there and I was like oh my god immediately off on the you know wrong foot and I just yeah just any help with that first day because it's terrifying yeah that makes you excited and enthused and like this is the person that you need to talk to this is who you're gonna this is the setup of the company this is who you're you know going to be answering to all that kind of thing is so helpful Mm, I love it definitely I mean I have seen some incredible ways in which companies have embraced their branding for example um, redesigning their office Mm. so it feels really like their space which I love I love when I go into um, organizations who've really embraced their branding Mm -hmm. to the point it's become like their interior theme um do you think organisations need to look mm. sort of beyond the logo when it comes to their brand to see Absolutely, a bigger picture? Absolutely, 110%. So I've just finished a brilliant project at the end of last year with a company in Ireland who are, were completely redoing their brand. They started in 2016. They grew hugely and wow. like to an enormous amount of employees in a very short period of time. And they kind of just wanted to get everybody in they were great at what they did their customers loved that but their brand had sort of been cobbled together on the first day it was like a logo and a website and they didn't have a proper brand um that they and they wanted that to embody you know the values of their company that are really innovative they're real game changers um and they you know there's nothing problematic that wasn't coming in because there's anything problematic about their brand they just didn't really have one so um it's such an exciting project to work on they were amazing they were fully on board with everything we did a great workshop um and really established their brands um values and their tone of voice and everything everybody had a really clear idea about um the the you know how the company was going to be and it was really great because um they emailed me a little while ago and go we're reading the offices we're gonna have illustrations and stuff put up around like we'd love a few point you know pointers about where where we're going to go with these and I was so impressed I was like they're really fully embracing this new brand and making their offices but one of actually oddly one of the exercises that I do in a brand workshop is if you were a waiting room if your company was a waiting room what would it be like so I think it's quite a well-known exercise to do 
but it's things like looking at the music that we're playing what would the receptionist be like yeah. what would the kind of furniture and the ambiance be like and it's a really good way of um sort of really getting a handle on your brand personality and then that can also be taken through to actual physical changes of environment so yeah I'm fully one one office I always really admire online is like the male chimp office they're really well known for kind of being really innovative they always have like local artists come in and paint in their paint you know walls and murals in their office and they work with local um like communities and um charities and stuff and I think they're just renowned for being a really good employer and uh, creating a really exciting kind of place to work and I also love some of these new sustainable companies um, that are starting up that are you know having real zero or low impact within their offices um, environmentally and you know having a lot of plants because I'm like plants are amazing like offices should be filled with you know like mini trees and plants and water and just a really like (laughs) natural light and all that kind of thing you've if you're going to be in an office for eight hours or nine hours a day, you have to have natural light, and, uh, you know, a, n- a nice environment to work in. So I'm so on board with people taking yeah. their brand through to um, their, you know, to everything. And I think like, I think it's really important that brands and companies are really responsible about the software and stuff that they use. So really looking at who were the founders of this? What do they support? Where does their money go from this software? Because it can be really problematic. And, you know, same with equipment and stuff like that. You really need to, if you want to create a sustainable business that has is having a good impact on the world, you really need to drill down to every single layer of your company, I think. Um, because there, you know, there can be, it can be quite scary when you look at um, some of the kind of investor stories and stuff like where that money may have come from to start that organization that the software that you've just bought and you're like oh god okay so yeah I think I think you have to redo your homework around that kind of thing if you're passionate about (laughs) you know creating something good and sustainable no I totally 100% agree and it's funny you pick up on that actually because uh, one of the the brands that I, I constantly tout as one to read up on and look into is the clothing br- brand Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Um, they they are such an incredible organisation. Yeah, they're really they held up around sustainability as a, as a kind and of beacon, impact. aren't they? Yeah, I mean the fact you know the fact that they are trying to source so much um, of their own products and keep it sustainable um, mm. to the point where you know their shops are actually often refurbed shops, so they don't build anything brand new. Everything they they use is reused or recycled materials and things like that. They're all about actually what can we reuse and upcycle rather than trying to build everything brand new um which is fantastic so you know all the, all their shops around the globe are so different and unique because yeah. they've all just been kind of you know collated to the different area around them as well because amazing. you see so many of these companies go into a town center and just gut an important old building like i mean I don't want to name any names, but there's certain like fast food brands that do that. And you're like, oh my God, that's just ripped everything out. And yeah, and it's, you know, and then they might not survive and then they move on or, you know, or they're like, actually, no, this isn't working here. We'll move on. And you're left with this monstrosity. So I love that Patagonia do that. I do think they're like a real lesson to everybody how they do things. 
Definitely. I think some of the things you've covered today, Liz, has been absolutely incredible. And I think it's all very practical lessons that people can take on. So before we wrap up, do you yes. have any final um, top tips? It all tips sounds a bit scary, listeners? I think, when, you know, it sounds like it's all going to be a hugely expensive, <laughs> complex um, undertaking. Um, and it doesn't have to be like that. There's a lot of, if you, if you, you know, don't want to go down hiring a brand designer route, there's a lot of, um, great people to follow out there there's a lot of free um you know guides and there's a lot of really good books and I think that's getting more of a case with with creating company culture as well and things like that I think you can find great people to follow with great tips such as yourself as well um but so (laughs) but um I just think it's really important that everybody establishes a a brand because it's so much easier for them moving forward even if you're a solo person you know you're on your own within your organization or um you know it's just it's a kind of just you it's really important to establish a strong brand because then when you write something if you write a blog post it's easy to you know you've got your tone of voice you know how you want to communicate these things uh, if you want to you know put a post up on instagram it's there you've got you know you know what you want to convey, you know your values and it makes life so much less complicated and confusing for your customers. So I would always say no matter what level you are, um, you know, try and work through doing a branding exercise and get that, that culture and that value right and make sure that the companies that you work with and the software you use are, you know, from a good place because we all need to do our bit to try and help the world, especially at the moment um it's it's just so worth doing and as I say it doesn't have to be expensive but if you do have the money always and you're a big company go for a really good like brand workshop and rebrand design because it just it can be like success or failure it can be the difference between success or failure so yeah I totally agree. They are some fantastic tips. Thank, thank you. you I've so loved much, every minute of it. And thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> You've been listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. If you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.